0: Hi, I'm Lisa DeLay, and you are listening to the Spark My Muse podcast. Today, I'm so excited to announce the Spark My Muse book club. I've been doing this podcast for five years, and it is finally time to go a little deeper to interact with you as readers and listeners in a whole new and deeper way. Once a month, I'm going to be featuring a book from an author who's been featured on the podcast, and we will interact together on a live stream. This will be recorded to be viewed later, later if you've missed it, or over and over if you'd like to go back and see it again. The first selection for the book club is the book we are going to be talking about today. It's by Cindy Bunch, and it's called Be Kind to Yourself. I love this book on spiritual formation from Cindy. It's approachable, practical. It can stay by your bedside for weeks as you work through the book but it also has really helpful insights that can be put to practice right away. So if you pick up this book, you can meet with us live on Wednesday, October 7th at 7.30pm Eastern Standard Time. To join the book club, go to sparkmymuse.com and click the tab for book club. You can also go to patreon.com forward slash sparkmymuse and join as a patron to get all the information. These types of conversations are like food for my soul and I am so excited to be joining with you in this live monthly experience. Stay tuned for more information and future picks. Whether you read part of the book or the entire book, I really hope you'll join in and see what's happening when Cindy and I meet together and with all of you on October 7th. Everybody, and welcome to Spark My Muse. Today, my guest is Cindy Bunch. She is a spiritual director and an associate publisher and director of editorial for InterVarsity Press' Formatio line of books. Cindy and I will be speaking about her book, Be Kind to Yourself Releasing Frustrations and Embracing Joy. Thank you for being a guest on Spark My Muse podcast today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: I wanted to say a little bit about IVP Formatio. From the website, and this is a great way to understand what IVP is about with regard to spiritual formation, which, of course, I'm biased toward because that's kind of my jam. On the website, it says, we are all made with a deep desire to be in God's presence and to become our true selves in light of God's grace. Books from IVP, Formazio, follow a rich tradition of the church in the journey of spiritual formation. For spiritual directors, retreat leaders, and contemplative Christians alike, IVP Formatio titles highlight spiritual disciplines and facilitate deep and formative spiritual growth. And that's just, that's awesome. And maybe you could speak a little to that and what you're up to and what are some of the books that have come out, what they're all about. Sure, sure. Thank you. We've we've had a line for...
1: About twelve years now, um, as a as a line that we had some of the books um, already existing at University Press before we officially mm-hmm. created a line, um, and uh, it is oriented to help people connect with God, to connect with uh, traditional spiritual practices, early Christianity, early Christian tradition, liturgy. One of my desires for the books in the line is that they would make you just want to rest with God or be with God. And uh, I was reading a manuscript. Uh, Yesterday, that is talking about how to design a retreat, Mm. and it made me want to go on a retreat, you know, (laughs) so badly. And and that's kind of what you know what I'm hoping for is is that there would be this kind of winsome voice that would just draw you in and and make you want to slow and and be with God in, in various kinds of ways.
0: Yeah, exactly. One of the things we need so much now in our time, but I think humans have always needed it, is the time that, that slows us down from our pace of our society, that is God's time, deep time, uh, soul time, that is Mm -hmm. like spend, God says, spend time with me in my time. And that actually refreshes and nourishes our souls. And that's where some of those spiritual practices come in that are in your book, how to pray and how to actually sense the presence of God, not just the head knowledge and stuff about memorizing the verses, which is all amazing, but also the embodied ways of spirituality, the things that grow us and help us to be more like Jesus. Those are the things that we do in embodied time and with each other. And just like you're saying on the retreats, those happen differently than in those rushed activities of work and even church activities. Mm -hmm. And you kind of need... A different kind of book for that because it's not yeah. going to be the big how-to type of books or it's nice that there's a, a kind of narrowing for those types of books where I think we need it more than ever I feel like our I'm, I'm going to speak for myself but everything's faster <laughs> and if you're not reminded how to slow down and do things in the rhythms of Jesus that you're really going to get completely burned out I think I've had on so many people from that line just this year in the last like 360 days, Casey Tigrid, Gina Thomas, Terrence Lester, Marlena Graves, uh, Jem and Alan Fadding, And there's mm-hmm. so many because I just think every time I read a book from there, I'm thinking, yes, exactly. More people need to know this. <laughs> and then I have them on, I can't help it. It's great that you've also come out with a book too. One of the things that's so neat about your book is that It's simple and practical, but it's also profound. So you talk about these two simple but powerful questions we can ask ourselves. What's bugging you and what's bringing you joy? And Mm -hmm. it would be great if you could speak more to this and also about how these questions bring about inquiry and transformation in you.
1: Those two questions were a key starting place of the book for me. And it was actually when I was reading a manuscript by Jim and Alan Fadling mm-hmm. um, for "What Does Your Soul Love," um, and they were talking about how we put ourselves in a position of being open before God. And they say, mm. "Notice when you are bugged," mm. and that statement just kind of caught me and stopped me short. Usually, when I'm reading a manuscript, I'm kind of in this professional editor mode, and I'm thinking about structures and how the audience will hear it, and what you know, what's missing and what's what what there's too much of what there's too little of and those kinds of things but this sometimes something will just jump out at at me and I know it's a more personal Mm. um kind of nudge from the spirit and so that's how I I felt with that and so I I kind of made a note of that and then later I took it and made a statement uh into a question Mm. what's bugging you and then um paired that with the second question what's what's bringing you joy and really this is a variation on the Ignatian practice of examine Mm -hmm. um, which invites us to ponder the moments of desolation when we feel far from God and the moments of consolation which are the things that draw us near to God Mm -hmm. Uh, but I have always struggled with the examine uh, personally the Usual teaching is that you do it at night before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. And so if I sit at night and think of kind of how it goes is, right, all the things I did wrong mm-hmm. through the day, then I'm not sleepy because <laughs> I <I'm> just <laughs> I'm not- go to this kind of negative place. Yeah, I really had never practiced the exam very regularly. So by taking it to the morning, it became what I call, a, and changing the questions a little bit, it became what I call a shame-free exam. Yeah. So an invitation to look at, you know, for the most part, just the ordinary daily things that are in putting me in a negative state and a negative thought pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of like the things that are in the back of your mind in that the low hum of, and they're just nagging at you. And so if we set them before God, whether it is something that we did wrong, or some, maybe a way we were hurtful to someone, or it's just um, something difficult that we're facing, mm-hmm. which we all <laughs> have lots of things right now mm-hmm. <laughs> that are that are difficult uh, in, in our lives and in the world. You know, put those in the light of God, then it, it helps to just set it aside. Mm-hmm. So I actually do that. I do that bugging thing first, mm-hmm. and then I go to joy. So try to get, by listing out kind of the, the negative things, and then I find it it opens up and frees me to notice, but what were the lovely things that happened in the day? And a lot of times, they're again, just small, ordinary things. My husband made us delicious dinner, mm-hmm. or um, I went for a walk and I saw this bird's nest, mm-hmm. or just these kind of small things, but they remind me too that God is near and that there are sweet gifts from God available to me in every day.
0: I'm so glad you said that about shame and the examine or the examination mm-hmm. because I that's exactly what happened to me the first time I did it, and I have I maybe come from a big time shame background, but I was mm-hmm. like, so I want to go to bed. Feeling like almost suicidal. <laughs> like, I suck. You know, it's just kind of like, oh, it was such a horrible way to end the day. I could not mm-hmm. do it, and I went mm-hmm. back to my spiritual director, and I'm like, um, that's not going to work. <laughs> mm-hmm. and she she gave me this book that was like much more tender, and it was really sweet. And it was more like God loves you like a child, and I had to do major work before I could get anywhere near doing something like like the examine, because it wasn't helpful to review my day like you. I was just looping mm-hmm. stuff over and over. It was taxing. And and I think you might have mentioned this in the book too, that sometimes the, the things that bug us are the, the maybe the, it, the connections or the interpersonal things, or like, did mm-hmm. I say that right? Or what did they mean by that or something? It could also just be like a heavy to-do list or something. But mm-hmm. the other thing about the joy is it doesn't have to be this big stupendous thing. But if we just linger, I I think they say it takes 13 seconds, maybe it's 15 seconds. If you linger something for that long, which is we usually only do it for three or four seconds, but that actually can change the chemistry in in your brain to make different hormones in your brain so that you actually get a benefit from thinking something joyful. And if we just linger with the smallest thing, like I saw a baby bird or something, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, that actually can invite more joy in and more felt presence of God or just gladness in our day. And it is tiny, but it does make a difference when it's habitual. And I think that's what you're inviting with the book. You have also kind of a built-in like a worksheet, workbook type of idea so that people can actually Mm -hmm. get into habits within the course of reading your book. And maybe you can describe how that's put in there, why you came to that conclusion and, and what you're inviting.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so the the book's divided into three sections, and each section has a, a space for writing down um, 10, 10 days of um, what's bugging you and what's bringing you joy, just well, like a number one and a number two, mm-hmm. and so that you get 30 days as you go through the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is something, like, as you said, to creating a, a habit. And so for me, I've been doing it about two years in this way. Mm. Uh, it, it really is a habit. And it's it's interesting because I've journaled all my life, but really not very regularly. It's sort of uh, often when I go on a retreat, I might do a lot of journaling and then I might go for weeks and not journal at all. Mm-hmm. Just writing down these two little things every day has mm. become a great discipline for me and opened up a a little more, you know, sometimes it opens up a little more writing as well. Uh, So I, so I appreciate that. And then what it does, what, what I guide people to do through the, through the course of the 30 days is to pause Mm -hmm. and then look back over what you've written down. Mm -hmm. So you can see what are the patterns Mm -hmm. that emerge because, you know, maybe you are stuck in certain you know, negative mental cycles Mm. about yourself or about others, Mm -hmm. and also to notice what brings you joy. Mm. And maybe, you know, we're not leaning into the things always that really give us the most joy. Mm. And so it's the old, you know, we sit down at night and go through Netflix, (laughs) right? maybe getting out some paint and a piece of paper would be more joyful. Mm. So it's finding those those things and noticing what what you're really enjoying. So that, and again, I, and I believe that those are the little signals of God's presence with us, and uh, oftentimes, and they're, they're the ways that we can connect more deeply with God.
0: You mentioned something about looking back and finding patterns, which obviously mm-hmm. we can't do until we get these habits to to look back on. And um, this book is also, I, it's great to point out that it's a kind of an homage to your spiritual director who passed Mm -hmm. away, Marilyn Stewart. This book is also very personal about some tumultuous times, some suffering and some struggle and her companionship with you through that and what healing can look like and spiritual companionship can look like. It might be noticing some of the habits that come up with woundedness that rears its head kind of again and again. And maybe you can talk a little bit about spiritual direction or companionship in this aspect too. When asked
1: what prompted you to write the book, mm-hmm. it was actually a large part, the loss of Marilyn. And so my, my reflection on a mm-hmm. period of almost 20 years of meeting with her uh, and how I had grown in that time. Uh, when I first started meeting with her, um, I was uh, going through a divorce that was not my choice was one of the most painful times of my life and said, I didn't expect to be writing about that <laughs> when I started writing. So that's kind of where these journeys take you sometimes. Um, but uh, that did end up coming into the book just a little bit. And it was in that journey as it unfortunately is, you know, in our lives that it's when we're in those darkest times that we draw close to God and, and we grow, <laughs> Darn it. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wish there was another mm-hmm. another way, but it seems so often that we grow in those times of pain. Mm-hmm. So she helped me try on new spiritual practices, but also it was that just listening and companioning and conversation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And a lot of it early on was unpacking my view of God actually. Mm-hmm. Really some even though the kind of head knowledge I had about who God was as a loving God Mm -hmm. didn't always conform with some other level of false ideas of what maybe God expected of me of a sort Mm -hmm. of more performance oriented perspective. I think what spiritual direction does is encourages you to just go deeper and deeper in talking about what are you experiencing and thinking about God. And there's so few Mm -hmm. spaces in our lives. Mm where we really focus on that yeah with someone yeah so this image of god question started unfolding with her and she helped me to sort of sort it out and what's interesting when i say that is mostly by listening Mm -hmm. right is is what happens in direction is we (laughs) mainly the directee just talks and as you talk you start to hear what you know. You hear what you're saying, uh, and if you have a, a compassionate, reflective listener sort of helping you reflect back through that, truth starts to emerge um, from your experience together. So it really is a companionship. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the word direction, I think, often misleads people. Right, right. <laughs> she didn't give me a to do list to walk away with, mm-hmm. but that companionship uh, really uh, brought me along the journey. Somebody asked me, you know, did you learn a lot of these practices? One one of the things I get into is use of art and yeah. um, a lot of things that pull me into the right brain. And somebody said, well, did Marilyn teach you those? And mm. no, actually, that was more something I started to find on on, on my own. Mm-hmm. But I would bring it to her uh, as material for mm-hmm. a conversation and and, uh, and she loved it mm-hmm. and would affirm it. Mm-hmm. But that's interesting is that this experience of companionship sort of set me free mm. to develop you know, my own spiritual path mm-hmm. um, uniquely as well.
0: Right. And I wanted to mention that too. I don't think I mentioned it since, since we've been recording, mm-hmm. but your book is unique in that it has photos and images and your collage artwork as examples of ways that you, we can use visual images and As part of Uh our spiritual practice, as part of our spiritual growth, as ways of noticing and reflecting, which is very interesting because this was true in Christian history as a whole. But maybe since the Protestant Reformation, I'm I'm not sure exactly when, but art and visual art isn't really habitually used as tools for self-discovery with the help and power of the Holy Spirit. but we are really visual. I mean, everything around us in our culture is very visual. And that is how we learn through movies, Mm -hmm. through TV, through drama. And yet, you know, we're like just discovering like, oh, I could actually, (laughs) I could make something with my own hands and my eyes and my senses that would help me to find new insights. And I could... I could use these different elements and then pray with these elements and bring them before God and understand things that I can't understand in other ways, or I can't come up with Mm -hmm. words for them exactly or language, but there's some access point that these images help me bring up. And I think that whether we think of ourselves as artists or not, we are all creating and there's these places beyond words where the spirit Mm -hmm. is that that actually that's what's so great about a a companion spiritual companion is this holy noticing and they'll say yes Mm -hmm. yes yeah keep going with that Mm
1: they
0: will say i see what you're doing and you're on to something and that's part of the benefit of somebody focused on this aspect of your life that is really the ground of all the aspects of your life Mm Hmm. yes Yes, that's, that's why she's such a treasure. So I can imagine that when she's not there, then it's like, oh wow, I. It, it's like um, the book is partially just, uh, this mattered, you know, <laughs> this mm-hmm. mattered to me. This this woman mattered, and this is power of this kind of relationship.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it was right a, a way of sort of processing mm-hmm. grief yeah. uh, as as well, but but also gratitude
0: exactly exactly yeah that's that's so powerful um and and as in your spiritual director too and you got training now was she part of that process for you in a sense like uh like where did that come along for for your own Mm -hmm. vision
1: yeah so she she was a Great support. Really, she's very much part of University Press Formatio line in, oh, in my mind. Wow. Because as we were starting the line, um, she she and I were, were meeting together, and um, just was a huge influence and encouragement uh, on me. And, and we often processed just various things that were happening in relation to my to my work, um, which I do consider ministry and calling. Mm-hmm. When it started stirring in me to study spiritual direction, a lot of it did have to do with my editorial work. Mm. I went to seminary um, before seminaries were Protestant seminaries and were, you know, really teaching spiritual direction. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I didn't feel like I'd gotten any particular sort of academic study. Yeah going back and doing spiritual director training gave me a way to lean more also into spiritual formation mm-hmm. uh, at a seminary level, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was important for the books I was working on. Yeah, yeah. But I also feel like there is a way in which the work of an editor uh, is like the work of a spiritual director in, in the way that you are coming alongside the author and listening mm. and trying to draw out of them, what it is they have to say, what they're, what they're called to say, yeah. I thought the program would help me, and, and I think it, it has to listen to authors and to help draw out you, know, the shape of a book, the content of a book, uh, as I work in collaboration with an author. So that was a lot of my motivation, and she very much affirmed that and always affirmed uh, in me that sense of calling mm. of um the spiritual work of an of an editor
0: mm. well that's brilliant it almost seems like it should be part of the job description you <laughs> <laughs> because you are a, a midwife to the book within the author especially mm-hmm. if it has a spiritual element to it and it is for this bigger purpose than it is holy work i love how you say in the book we have an invitation from god and the frustrations we experience." And what we have an internal resistance to we have to pay attention to is interesting because that's that's what we don't want to look at, right? It's easier to look at the stuff that we like. Let me dive into this more, this prayer practice or this thing that I like. The resistance will come along and the frustrations will come along, and that's actually where the invitation is. That's part of that helps with companionship too, is like, no, you you're getting close to this part and you're starting to feel pain or you're starting to feel discomfort, but that's actually where you need to look and listen. Mm -hmm. Or we on our own might not have the follow through for that, or the, we might have too much fear for that. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll focus in on page 80. You talk about the negative and the positive ways we distract ourselves. And I would love if you could expand on a little bit for giving future readers a taste of what, you're up to there.
1: Sure. So, so this is where I encourage people to go back to the list that they've made of, of, um, what's frustrating them and, uh, actually, uh, you know, make a list of, of some patterns. And then, um, if, if people want to, rather than journaling it, you could put it on a piece of paper and just tear it up. As a way of sort of freeing yourself and offering it to God, and then it's this pattern of returning to the list of joys. And uh, what are things that you would want to take up as what what I call a holy distraction the next time you're mm-hmm. bothered? You know, so you you know you have a bad day, nothing's going your way. What what can you do to really make yourself feel better instead of numbing out? Which is you know, the great question of this particular time in history that we're all yes. facing? What can what we do to do with ourselves? Yes. Um, and, and what's interesting about this period is some of the things that some of us like, like shopping, I'll confess, uh, <laughs> you know, just aren't really accessible to to us if we're trying to shelter. Mm-hmm. So what are the things that you could choose to do that would really bring you joy and refreshment and, mm-hmm. You know, I talk at the beginning of the book about the difference between happiness and joy a little bit. Mm-hmm. and so you know, joy with joy we're, talk, we're talking about the deep mm-hmm. the deeper things um, that enrich our lives. so we're n- we're not talking about a spa day kind of a thing. <laughs> but maybe it's a, a hobby that opens up your creativity or it's gardening or it's cooking, mm-hmm. being with with a, f- a friend or family member as we are able to do. And then I also have a caution, which is it's not to make yourself a to do list. Mm. and It's not to feel guilty. I watch Netflix too. You know, <laughs> it's, sometimes that's okay. I, I remember having a conversation with Marilyn about that one day, you know, is sometimes at the end of the day, you need to sit down for an hour or so and just chill out and watch TV. And that's okay, too.
0: Yeah, we find ways to make ourselves feel bad. Uh, some of us mm-hmm. anyway, <laughs> and mm-hmm. like, Oh, well, I guess I failed there too. But you talk about, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll just we'll have a day where we're completely exhausted. And we'll need to just completely chill and veg out, but we can also hone in on the things that are going to give us some relief, but are going to be more nourishing, like a little bit healthier food in the sense of giving our souls a little bit healthier food. So what's the thing? Mm-hmm. Maybe I could take a bath and read a book or little mm-hmm. bit of a book it doesn't have to be a a theological book it could just be like a poetry book or something <laughs> a little fiction mm-hmm. or something um or or do things that actually we feel we feel refreshed we feel like we've touched beauty uh in some in some manner so that we're mm-hmm. a little bit better off and I that really gets to something about sustaining us for the long haul because that. Netflix binge that you know I'm just as guilty of as you are, mm-hmm. that works okay for t- like a day, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe two days, but if you do it for a month, you really could tell a difference but mm-hmm. by the end of that month in compared to just making a little bit better decisions for that month and i don't think we realize it till it sneaks up on us and something like this pandemic where it's oh, okay week after week of maybe making not so great decisions then we find ourselves in a little bit of a spiral of like am i in a doom spiral right now <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. you know it's it's so true mhm
1: yeah yeah so this whole theme of self kindness you know during this season uh, also feels really important and timely because we sort of swing back and forth, I think, mm-hmm. between, um, as, as you're saying, just sort of numbing out and trying to get through it mm-hmm. to like then thinking, oh, I should be able to do this project and this project and this project mm-hmm. and, um, you know, lose weight and, <laughs> and whatever. And on the other hand, you know, we can only expect so much of ourselves when we're under so much strain and mm-hmm. pressure and, and worry, basically. So, so we do need to be kind and gentle with ourselves in, in terms of expectations. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I do think that, that uh, art and extending that part of your brain, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, you know, exploring mm-hmm. creativity, uh, can be one way mm-hmm. to be kind to ourselves, to open up joy. And mm-hmm. I, I try to give a lot of different ideas or just as you said earlier, people that don't consider themselves artists mm-hmm. necessarily I don't i mean i'm I'm not a I can't draw really or I've found some different mediums that that I really enjoy like for me, collage mm-hmm. is uh, really enjoyable one of the for example, just a, a easy idea in the book is uh, is to use photography mm. to explore what you're sort of drawn to and what you're pushed away mm. from. So you go out on a, on a walk, prayerful, contemplative space, mm-hmm. and you notice what is beautiful to me that I want to photograph, but also what is um, causing dissonance in me, what, what is ugly, and, and kind of putting some of those things together and sitting with them before God um, can sort of stir things up, help you get at these these questions of of what's underneath, what's bugging me, what's bringing me joy, where am I spiritually?
0: Like some people give themselves all kinds of license to be however they want. Then there's the other people mm-hmm. who are like, critical, critical, critical. And then of course, then you wind up being critical to other people because how could you not be, because you know, you're giving yourself such a hard time, yes. it's gonna spill over, right? I think it's Tekna Khan who said, just have compassion for yourself as though you were talking to yourself as a five-year-old with the kind of compassion you would talk to a five-year-old child. Or the idea that I I said a friend of mine one time, and, and I need to say this as much to myself, I'm trying to figure this out, is that don't talk mean to somebody I love and that that should be what I'm saying to myself. I should be somebody that I love and don't talk mean. To, to that woman. That's how God feels when we talk to ourselves like that. Mm-hmm. God would say, Don't talk mean to somebody I love. You talk about um, being allowed to be whiny for, for a period of time. <laughs> like, because that's another thing we'll criticize ourselves about, right? So we'll say, mm-hmm. oh, I feel this way, this way, and this way. I'm complaining. Oh, I'm such a complainer. I'm such a bad person. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> your, your director would. Allow that, or would say, here's your time to do that. Okay, now we did that, and it's on page 134 and 135 mm-hmm. to to have the the emotional and spiritual space for it. Also, is a way to mm-hmm. to make a time and a place for it, but mm-hmm. not to make it a habit or a way of being. I think that's a really really useful, like it's almost like a a tactic. I don't want to be a whiny person, but I want to be able to feel validated my complaint is important and I want it to be heard and I don't want to criticize myself for having those thoughts it needs to be voiced right I love that point because we all feel like hey this didn't go okay but yet we don't want to be that complainer Mm -hmm. either
1: yeah so to give yourself space to do that but then you know close it off air it out and close it up (laughs) you you got it out there (laughs) we can we can move on from it but but it's but you're right when it's when we when we just berate ourselves feel bad and then we say to ourselves well you're you're a jerk for feeling bad then you're not getting anywhere with with that mental process yeah
0: yeah i mean it's it may be there should be the gratitude journal, but then the whining journal. The whining journal,
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it's not yeah. like you don't want that yeah.
0: published or anything, but you know, that you would be able to have okay, I'm going to have a whining journal and then I'm going to close the journal and we're done or whatever it is. But that you, mm-hmm. we get to have bad feelings. We're all, we get permission to have bad feelings. We don't get permission to throw up on everybody and be that person mm-hmm. to. People we love who love us, but we have those feelings, and and the more we shut them down, the more critical we get. Of like they as they pop up, right? Um, and I think that's that's a really important thing to allow ourselves to actually be human, and that Jesus expresses all these different emotions. I was when I was talking to Marlena Graves on on the episode that we did, she was talking about how Jesus reached out to his friends for help, and for the first time. I thought, oh my gosh, he needed other people. He needed friendship and he he was betrayed. Like I knew he was betrayed. Duh, of course he was. But I was like, oh man, he was so let down and he was crying and freaked out and anxious, frustrated. And he's just like, can't you, like he really needed them. I thought he was kind of doing them a favor. Like, hey, stay up with me and pray. It'll be a cool experience. (laughs) He was like, please, Mm. I'm begging you. I need you right now. And they're like, we are so exhausted. And it was like, oh, so wait, he's having needs, and somehow I'm criticizing myself because I have needs. That's really weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm better than exactly. Jesus all of a sudden. Like I have more emotional capacity than him, or something. It's really interesting how we mm-hmm. put ourselves to these standards that Jesus wasn't worried about his him needing other people emotionally. You know, he wasn't like he wasn't like, well, I'm really mm-hmm. a bad son of God today. I really needed someone emotionally. <laughs> yeah so
1: and then the idea is actually when we learn to be more kind to ourselves it mm. will extend to others we will be more compassionate towards others mm. if we can be so you know love your neighbor yeah. as yourself um so it is not about self-indulgence it, it is it is about going deeper into compassion and empathy
0: to me, this is like a reference book that you would keep on your shelf and you could pull it out at any time. But there are the things of what's bugging you, what's bringing you joy, that just sticks in your head and you can't not forget it. It's there. <laughs> so you could you could think, oh yeah, that's really, really easy one to remember every day that you could just add it to your life. And as you build up the habit of just asking that, those simple questions, you could adjust your life to be a lot more Reflective, a lot more aware. And that's a spiritual practice that I think can only add to your life. I mean, if you have to be gracious to yourself, you can't, you know, beat yourself up all, all the time about your answers. But it's one of those spiritual formation things I think is we have to add them to our lives if we expect that we're going to have growth.
1: Uh, I would I would love for people to uh, take the book and receive you know what is useful to them, and and let go anything that's not. There are lots and lots of ideas and practices in here, and you know my hope is that people will try out what they're what they're drawn to, what they, they feel like they're called to do, and just you know let go anything that's not. And so it's it's not meant to be any kind of a to do list. Um, that would be a a desire. Yeah.
0: On page 132, you have the dance of spiritual direction. And this is, um, you said, I wrote this poem in honor of Marilyn and the work of spiritual direction in my life. But it also honors the movement of the spirit in my life as I have sought to grow closer to God through spiritual practices. Do you mind reading that part?
1: I'd love to. So it's called the dance of spiritual direction for Marilyn, director, mother, companion, guide. When I was lost and confused, God gave me Marilyn, and she assured me the way would be revealed. The path is long, but the road is broad. When I doubted my own worth, she pointed me to scripture. You are my witness and the servant I have chosen. When I asked questions, she reminded me to set them before God. How are you praying about that? When I wondered if God would act, She spoke of God's goodness. God will always find a way to redeem it. She delighted in my spiritual progress. She challenged my indulgences. She called out my gifts. She savored God's graces to me. She pointed to the power of word and liturgy. She made my world a little more safe. She helped me to become my true self. She took me by the hand and led me into the great dance. And there's a picture in the mm-hmm. book of Marilyn leading the way in uh, the little church we both attended um, on the Easter vigil. Uh, we would ring bells and parade around the room uh, at, the, at the moment of celebrating Jesus's resurrection. Mm-hmm. And
0: um, it's, it's for me a sort of iconic mm-hmm. picture of, of yeah. her. Her hands are in motion. You could tell she's, she's having fun and she's, she's dancing away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's really beautiful. This was a this is a real treasure to my listeners, and I thank you for sharing your time with me. Uh, is there any place that my listeners can find you? The best places to find you online.
1: Sure, sure. Thanks for asking. Um, there is at universitypress.com dot com on the page for my book. Be kind to yourself. There is a free sample chapter mm-hmm. um, that people can download and take a look. Um, and uh, they can connect with me at Instagram under my name, Cindy Cindy.Bunch, and Twitter, Cindy Bunch. Um, I also I do have a website, uh, and that is CindyBunch.com. dot com. Are
0: you Are you so. taking any more directees for spiritual direction? Um, I, I'd be
1: happy to chat with people. Um, I, I don't do a lot of spiritual direction, but uh, I do know a lot of spiritual directors. So if, if somebody is looking for a director, I, I might be able to help point the way. Yeah,
0: I think uh, it's it's still new to a lot of people in in mm-hmm. Protestantism, and mm-hmm. a lot of people. I don't I don't really understand it, but to me, especially in terms of people who are involved in ministry on a regular basis, I'm always so surprised that pastors don't have a director of course i'm very biased and i think everybody just needs one automatic <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean people could have spiritual friends that kind of serve in these capacities but to have somebody that is sort of outside your your family and friends that is just dedicated to those types of things can make a huge difference in your life not just if you're having a crisis or a struggle but just this ongoing other space for the spirit and for listening makes a huge difference your book is a testimony to that and contributing spiritual formation in terms of what do directors do what do companions do and how they change lives Mm. that's worth it too that message is worth getting out there too so that's pretty cool that that's your contribution as well thank you so much
1: well thank you i appreciate it it's great to talk to you
0: To join the book club go to sparkmymuse.com and click the tab for book club. You can also go to patreon.com forward slash sparkmymuse and join as a patron to get all the information.